1: Good evening, Yisrael and indeed uh, Our marking outreach this evening is to uh, Yisrael. Uh, we hope that many of you or who are perhaps listening for the first time will come up with a new awareness as to who God is and what your place is with um, our Creator. Uh, I'm joined here by uh, Kirk and uh, Andy. We're going to devote this program to Malachis, the Malachis, uh, presentation of the fulfillment of Kippurim. Um, Israelites have corrupted all of Yahweh's Moed Mekre. There are seven of them, and there isn't one that hasn't been um, corrupted the point that it uh, has no meaning. Uh, for example, uh, Yahweh fulfilled Pesach by anointing with his spirit, with his soul, his nefesh, uh, in year 4000 Yah, 33 CE. And yet, religious Jews have made the Passover lamb their most hated enemy. If you look beyond Passover, where they have nullified its benefits, and therefore the benefit of eternal life by making an enemy out of Yahweh fulfilling Pesach for his promise to Abraham via uh, allowing his soul to endure uh, that sacrifice. The next corruption is particularly devastating because uh, Passover is part of Matza not the other way around. In other words, matzah is vastly more important, a date on Yahweh's calendar, infinitely more important than his Passover. And yet, for religious Jews, there's a Passover celebration, which lasts seven days, as opposed to a Chag Matzah celebration, which lasts seven days, the first of which is Passover. And in fact, it's so bad that the religious have relegated matzah to be nothing more than an ingredient. Now, they've done this because the purpose of matzah is to rid Yehudim, Yahweh's beloved, of the fungus of religion. And so the religious don't much like the idea of an important date on Yahweh's calendar designed to eliminate their influence. Bakurim and shabuah the next two, are not celebrated by uh, religious Jews. Uh, Perhaps they uh, think that they have been usurped by Christians, which they have created an entire religion to obfuscate. But Bakurim, after Yahweh has made his children immortal and he has perfected them on Pesach and Masa, Bakurim, his firstborn children, uh, where Dode is the perfect example, but where we are born anew into Yahweh's covenant family. On Shabua we're enriched and we're empowered, we're emancipated, liberated, and enlightened. It is the time where God enriches the lives of his children so that we can serve to fulfill the promise of another date that rabbinic Judaism has destroyed. They have turned Yahweh's day, which is designed for us to shout out a warning that the religious and political are headed in the wrong direction away from God, as well as the good news that God has provided a means to receive the benefits of his covenant. They've turned that into a day to celebrate the Babylonian New Year. Rosh Hashanah. It is disgusting what they have done. And of course, it's now celebrated throughout both secular and sectarian Israel as the beginning of the High Holy Days when it is a perversion, a Babylonian perversion of God's intent. This leads us to the single most misunderstood date of the year for religious Jews. In a great affront to God, religious Jews have corrupted Yom Kippuram. It is always plural. It is not Kippur. It is Kippurum, plural, because God is offering to reconcile his relationship with both Israel and Yahudah. And they've turned this reconciliation of rejoining Yahweh's family, of ending the long estrangement into a day of affliction. Imagine hating God so much that you would avoid accepting his compassion, his outreach, his invitation to be part of the covenant again. And you would call that day a day to deny oneself. One of the great perversions of all time. I've thought a lot about Kippurum, um this past day as, as we were celebrating it. And it strikes me that Kippurim is the second chance for God's people, for Mm -hmm. Yehudah. Y'all missed and denied and rejected, besmirched, belittled the fulfillment of Pesach through Yosha. You completely ignore the perfection that is being offered through Matzah. And you have no clue as it relates to the other two that were fulfilled in your four thousand yah b'kudim and Shabuah, and so having completely denied Yahweh's gift, his fulfillment, his honoring his promise at great personal sacrifice, where it's not just that he supplied his nefesh soul into Yosha, so that he could personally experience what it was like to suffer to die as the Passover lamb. But he allowed the set-apart spirit to take his nephesh soul to Sheol, the place of separation, which is essentially a black hole, so that he himself could feel the pain of that separation, so that he could pay the price to ransom us. And you've denied all of it. God did all of this for you, and you've spit in his face. I'm not singling Jews out to besmirch for their religion, because Christians have corrupted what God did, to completely ignore the connection between Pesach, Matzah Kotam and Shibuah and have created a religion by turning the Passover Lamb into the Son of God and Messiah. He was not the Messiah. The Messiah is Do David. He was the Passover Lamb. The Son of God is also David. Read the Torah and prophets. It's exceedingly clear. But Jews, for you that are listening in Israel and for those in America, you are in a different place than the Gentiles who have uh, messed this up. Because the Gentiles were not liberated from being enslaved by religion and politics and Mitzrayim, you were. The covenant was not forged with the Gentiles, even though Abraham and Sarah certainly had left Babylon and were en route to the promised land. It is their grandson who became Yisrael. The covenant was affirmed through Yisrael, not through Goyim, The prophets were all Israelites. They weren't Goyim. They spoke Hebrew. Not some language of the Goyim. God communicated who he was to you, with you, for you. And yet you've rejected him. And the worst part of it, and we will find this out as we cover Malachi, is that the rabbis have banned the use of Yahweh's name. The only name that matters. It's the one name they will never speak. They will never say. If you want to have absolute certainty who is speaking for God and who is not, it's the prevalence of Yahweh's name. If they speak his words in his name, they are speaking for him. If they speak their words and their name, they are speaking for themselves. Read, and then read the Torah, and compare the two. So Kippur this day we are celebrating is not about twirling chickens over your head. It's not about denying yourself. It is not a fast. It is not a high holy day. It is a second chance at Pisach and Matzah and Bakurim for the chosen people. But your second chance is your last chance. Yah was returning with Dode, in your 6,000 Yah, Ma'amadis was absolutely wrong on his timing. Your 6,000 Yah is 2033. That's how much time you have left if you're among the lucky ones. Because two out of every three Jews will be dead between now and then, and a much higher percentage of the world's population. So if you want to have a relationship with the Iowa, then you need to listen to the words of the prophets, and the words of the prophets all convey the same message. Malachi could be convinced, Malachi to be more precise, it means messenger, my messenger, is that Judaism is offensive to Yahweh. And until you, as a Yehudim Jew, reject Judaism, you have no hope of resolving your relationship with Yahweh. So we're going to cover, uh, the best we can, in the uh, little over an hour and a half we have this evening, Uh, the last of the prophets. Now that's pretty amazing. I know there's a bunch of dunderhead rabbis that claim they were prophets, and yet if you read what they said, it's rubbish, drivel. The last of the prophets, the last to pass the prophetic test, and Yahweh has two of them, both in Dabadi and Deuteronomy, it was Malachi. He wrote almost 2,500 years ago. It's been radio silence ever since. And the reason... There has been silence ever since because God couldn't find a single Jew, not one, who was willing to listen to him. So this is the last, and this is what he says about his people. This is the prophetic pronouncement of the word of Yahweh, to Yisrael, by the hand of Malachi, my messenger. This is not the word of G-D. This is not the word of Hashem. This is not the word of Adonai. God has a name. That name is absolutely essential to engaging in a relationship with him. If you do not know and use his name, accept his name, then he does not know you And you do not have a relationship. This is the prophetic pronouncement. Words regarding what will occur in the future. The very word of Yahweh to his people, Yisrael. By the hand of Malachi, who would be the last prophet. These next words are very difficult for me to read because as probably everyone that is listening to this program knows, of all the great pains can occur in the universe, the two worst are are embraced in these words. The most frustrating for us is unrequited love. Now I can't say for certain that that I loved when I was a younger man, and uh, and the and I had no game, and and I pursued the uh, girls slash women that that I thought I loved, and for every step I took forward, they took a step back. I I uh, wasn't very good at it, and the pain of thinking, well, that this person is the love of my life, and them not being interested in me. It's agonizing, isolating, paralyzing. We've all experienced it. God's unrequited love is with Israel. He's expressed it. He has gone after them, and they have routinely have rejected him. The second is the loss of a child. Israel is beni Yisrael, the children of Yisrael. They they were to be Yahweh's family. He lost a child. The words of Malachi 1-2 read, I love you. Ahab eth atem, says Yahweh. But you, of course, question in what way have you loved us? God's response was not, Esau, a brother of Jacob, asked Yahweh. And yet I have always loved Jacob, whose name means reward or consequence. However, concerning Esau, which means acting antagonistically, I have hated and I have shunned. We are taught, indoctrinated, into believing that all we need is love and we need to eliminate hate. That's not God's approach at all. In fact, what God is saying here, the way I demonstrated my love was to hate. That's so difficult for us to comprehend and yet so essential. If you do not know what to hate and how to hate and why to hate, you can't love. If you're not willing to protect the innocent and your family in particular from mass murderers, from rapists, from pedophiles, from religious zealots that would prey upon their soul, then you're not loving them. You need to know what to hate, why to hate, and how to hate. And What to hate, first and foremost, is religion. And how to hate it is with your words, to expose and condemn it. So God is saying, you want an example of love? Listen, I'm here to tell you, Well, God loved both Abraham and, uh, and Jacob, they were horrible people. They really were. I mean, Abraham pimped his wife out twice for personal enrichment. That's disgusting. Sarah was a far better person than Abraham. And yet Abraham didn't only do this once, he did it twice. And Jacob? Yeah, the more you read about Jacob, the more you just have to shake your head say, <laughs> what's wrong with him? I mean, he got a few things right, but he got far more things wrong. And yet God chose because of the covenant to look past the things that both Abraham and Jacob got wrong and chose to love them. But the one thing that he could not overlook with Esau is that Esau became religious. He went off and married into Ishmael's family who was deliberately estranged from the covenant. So that I caused that which is associated with his elevated places, speaking of, of Esau, to be lifeless and desolate, and his inheritance to be a wasteland of questionable words for jackals, serpents, and monstrous beasts. He's speaking of Islam, and the place where Islam took root and, and grew. Now, for most people, they're unaware that um, Islam actually did not grow in Mecca, that it was moved to uh, to Mecca uh, by long after Muhammad's death. Palmyra uh, is the place where Islam uh, took root and uh, grew due d- d- south of Jerusalem. But even that area now, if you look at it, it's nothing but dry dust and rock, as is Arabia, where, which is where Islam had to move to a town called Yathrib because it was filled with Jewish rabbis and uh, became uh, of course the prophets city even though Muhammad never got a single prophecy right but nonetheless this assessment of Islam is accurate if Edom the bloody red lord of and I'm going to say something here that might surprise you but I'm not the first to figure this out. If Edom, the bloody red lord of imperial Rome and Roman Catholicism, says we have been beaten down and impoverished, and yet we will recover and we will rebuild upon the ruins, then this is what Yahweh of the assembled spiritual envoy says, they may choose to build, but I will demolish, and I will leave them in ruins. Edom represents what grew out of the bloodiness of Imperial Rome and became the Roman Catholic Church. And to know that, all we have to do is look at the birth and the description of Esau and what God had to say about him. They're a derivative of the Caesars, in God's own words. Then they will be called called the land of the uncivilized and the wicked. They are the people with whom, for the benefit of the relationship, Yahweh has denounced and will scold as an enduring witness for an unlimited duration of time. Malachi 1.4 There is a time of retribution, a time when Yahweh is going to hold those who have abused his people accountable. That is what he's speaking about. It says, then your eyes will see, and you shall say, great and honorable is Yahweh from beyond the boundaries of Israel. There is a time when some of you who are listening to my voice this evening, when some of you who read Yada Yahweh, go if you haven't been, Yada, which means to know, to understand. Ya, short for Yawa. You can also go to Yada but yadaya.com. Yada, Y-A-D-A, Y-A-H.com. Everything there is free. There's no donate button. We don't have a meeting place. You won't be recruited. You'll never be contacted. You can. If you wish to email us, you're welcome to do so. But... We will not solicit your money. We won't even take your money. The books are there in their entirety, 25 volumes of translations and commentary on Yahweh's Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. All there freely for you. Yadaya.com We wrote it because there will be a time prior to the fulfillment of Yom Kippurim. In your 6,000 Yah, sunset in Jerusalem, 622 p.m., October 2nd, 2033. When a significant number of you will return to Yahweh, will embrace His name, will exclaim His name, will love His name, will come to take advantage of His second chance, capitalizing on Kippurim, the Day of Reconciliations. And you will witness the return of Yahweh with the Messiah, with the King of Kings, with the very Son of God. And you'll recognize his name because he is the most famous among you. David. It means beloved. Yahweh says, A son values and respects, admires and appreciates his father, and a servant his lord and master. So if I am a father, where is my respect and appreciation? He's asking the religious. And if the assumption is made that I am a lord, if the assumption is made that I am a lord, God is not a lord. He despises the title lord. Why don't you fear me? Lords are to be feared. Ask Yahweh of the spiritual regimen. Of you, the ministers and clerics who despise and plunder my name. God is saying that the religious leaders of Israel are plundering his name because they despise his name. Do you know that Yahweh inspired the prophets who wrote the Torah, prophets, and Psalms. Dod was a prophet. He wrote most of the Mismor. Moshe was a prophet. He compiled most of the Torah. And of the other total of 40 prophets, that collectively in the Hebrew text, Yahweh's name was written 7,000 times and yet the religious would rob you of knowing him by removing it all 7,000 times. They do so to enrich themselves, to make themselves more important, so they can write their rabbinical trash and stuff it in their Talmud, and somebody, another rabbi, can quote, Rabbi so-and-so said this and that. And... Jews will genuflect to the lie, as opposed to trusting Yahweh instead. So you say, in what way have we shown contempt for and disregard even more pillaged and devalued your name? Well, I can't imagine why a Jew would ask that question. At the term Jew, it's a rejection of Yahweh's name. The actual term is Ya'ud, and the plural Ya'udim means beloved of Yah, related to Yah, relate to Yah. But you say, in what way have we shown contempt and disregard, even more pillaged and devalued your name? By presenting defiled and rotten bread and unacceptable and decomposing food which is polluted upon my altar. Do you know that the Pesach plate is now based upon rabbinical instructions been changed so that it reflects Cain's offering, which was mm-hmm. rejected? I mean, it's got all yes. sorts of rabbinical symbolism and fruits and vegetables and eggs and everything other than lamb. Oh, there's a the Zeroa without them having a clue what Zeroha even means. Dode was a Zeroha. Moshe was a Zeroha. Well, I'm not in their league. So am I. And yet the one thing that is not found that could be seen as nourishing on the Passover plate is the central ingredient, lamb. Yes, indeed. The rabbis have polluted the plate. But you say, in what way have we defiled and stained you, causing you to appear unacceptable by inferring that that which has been furnished and appointed by Yahweh is of no value and should be disregarded. Malachi 1.7 Well, what did they do? I went through it already. The single most important day of the year is Matzah. Chag Matzah then incorporates Pesach and B'kodam. God's sacrifice on Matzah was to send his nefesh as an avatar, as a projection of himself into the black hole that is Sheol. And yet you've denied this. He fulfilled Pesach just as he told Abraham he would with his soul embodied within Yosha, Serving as the Passover lamb. And you have not only denied this, you've said disgusting, horrible things about Yosha, renaming him, besmirching him, therefore disavowing Yahweh's sacrifice. Even take a date like Teruah, and you change it into a Babylonian holiday. You take Yahweh's second chance, his restatement of the benefits of Pesach and Matzah on Kippurim, the day of reconciliation, and you turn it into a day of affliction, as if you never want to hear or see Yahweh again. You've done these very things. Now there's a remedy. Recognize that the rabbis have lied to you. Disassociate from them. Do what Abraham did and walk away from their babble. Then come to trust and rely on Yahweh. Listen to what God had to say through his prophets. Engage in his covenant. There are five conditions, there are five benefits, the first of which requires you to walk away from national politics and from institutionalized religion. When you influence and oppress, cating, or exacting payment through manipulation, then sacrifice the ignorant and blind, is that not wrong? God is saying that your religious influence has been profitable for those that are promoting it and yet it is causing those who are unaware to be manipulated. It is the reason that Christianity grew in your midst. Paul was a failed rabbi. The answer was so... Obvious as to how to respond to him, just to say, "Wait a minute, his name is Yosha, not Jesus. He's not the Messiah, much less the Christ. Can't be the Son of God. Do David is the Son of God. Do David is the Messiah. Do David is the King of kings. You can't steal from what God said about David to give this illusion of a Jesus Christ credibility but that's what they did. Christianity claims everything God said about David actually applies to Jesus, as if God didn't know the difference between their names. But that was the response. You didn't say, wait a minute, this is year 4,000 Yah. God, fulfilling. Pesach, Masa, and Shabuah. He's not creating a new religion. Yoshe isn't God in the flesh. God's not so small god cannot be killed what in the hell are you doing parading around with a dead god on a stick no he was the passover lamb if you had said that your people would not have suffered if you had said that christianity would never have emerged the most anti-semitic and the most torturous organization in human history the one that yahweh calls the ultimate beast emerged and grew because rabbis didn't know what they were doing. They did exactly the wrong thing at the wrong time. You have not valued what Yahweh has said. He goes on to say, and then when you lord over and exploit Passover, along with those who should have benefited from Pesach, especially those you have afflicted and diseased. Is that not wrong? Mm. Undesirable, unethical, and immoral? This is the essence of the argument Yahweh has against his people. You have besmirched my name. You have robbed my people of my name. You have exploited Passover. You have turned the day of reconciliations into a day of affliction. Is that not wrong? If you're listening and you're Jewish, you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is really harsh. Wake up and smell the coffee. Yahweh's message to his people has been consistent. What do you think the story of the waters of Mirabar all about? What's the story of Caleb? What's the story of the golden calf? What's the story of the Israelites grumbling and saying, you know, we hate it here. You brought us out here to die. We want to go back and be slaves in Israel. From the moment he rescued you. You've been disgusting. You've been religious. You've rejected him. You've been ungrateful. You've been stubborn. And if you read through the prophets, it's not just pervasive in the Torah. It's pervasive through the prophets. Look what happened when you chose to be like Gentile nations and have a king with Shaul what Yahweh said, you're rejecting me to make that choice. Read Yashayah. Read Yermayah. Read Hosha. From beginning to end, Hosha is a dissertation on why God hates the religiosity of Israel and despises Judaism. It's pervasive. It's here in Malachi. It's here in Zachariah. It's in Yaketzel. It's everywhere. It's the single most prevalent message throughout the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. God hates religion. If you're going to be religious, you have no relationship with him. And then he says, my people have been especially religious which is why I'm disgusted by them. And you ought to be exceedingly grateful that God is offering you a second chance. Goporum. And yet, what are the religious doing? They're turning it into a a day of affliction to say, we never want to hear from or see Yahweh again. We'll afflict and deny ourselves. Reject them you lord over and exploit Passover along with those who should have benefited from Pesach especially those you have afflicted and diseased is that not wrong try that approach God says with your governor will he accept you or will he endure your presence ask Yahweh and yet even now you beg and you plead. You implore for intercession, for favors, for an appearance of God. Have mercy on us. This being the result of your influence, will there be anyone among you, even in your presence, who will be lifted up or raised? as gentleman? God doesn't want to hear you begging him. He doesn't want to hear you crying to Him. He most certainly doesn't want to hear you praying to Him. He wants you to listen to Him. Do you get that? God never once asked anyone to pray to Him. He doesn't want you crying to Him. He says, you've been begging, you've been pleading... And he says, as a result of those behaviors, there will be none of you. None who are lifted up or raised. That's convenient for Judaism because there is no salvation in Judaism. No eternal life in heaven. According to Judaism, even the downside is that all goes away. There is no shield. If you're going to ignore Yahweh's name, if you're going to reject his Moed Mikre, why not reject his home and also the prison for the religious? Let's just reject it all. Oh, they will reject Hasatan too. And yet what did Yeshayah say throughout the 14th chapter? When the hell was he talking about? Hmm. Who do you think Daniel is talking about when he talks about the beastly horn? of the last days who is Torahless, who commits the ultimate abomination, who denies Yahweh's Moed Mikre. Why is there none among you who will shut the doors? so that you will not continually illuminate my altar in vain, without reason and to no avail, so improperly, irrationally, and ignorantly. There isn't one Jew, not one, who will shut the door to the damn synagogue and tell his brethren, don't go in. And yet they throw the doors open. They actually integrate to the religion of Judaism in the state of Israel, So they can pour out their lies without reason. Improperly, irrationally, and ignorantly. Who did God say he was speaking to at the beginning of this? Was well, it not Israel? Yisrael? Who do you think he's speaking to now? Why did Yahweh inspire the last of the prophets to say these things to you? You think he was lying about you? Or does he know exactly what you're doing? Why Mm -hmm. does his condemnation of you match what you have become? And yet they will pretend that they're doing God a favor that they're doing the state of Israel a favor by playing religious dress-up. There is nothing desirable in your approach to me. You know, Hebrew is an interesting language in that the Hebrew of the Torah, prophets and Psalms, is liberated in time. Mm -hmm. The verbs are not trapped in the past. They aren't just pursuant to the present. They don't just speak of the future. Verbs are liberated in time. When Yahweh makes a statement, I love you, it is, I loved you, I love you, I will love you. There is nothing desirable in your approach to me. There has been nothing, there is nothing, there will be nothing. Nothing. The entire religion, nothing, the entirety of the Talmud, nothing, there is nothing desirable in your approach to me, nothing which is acceptable or pleasing with you, says Yahweh of the heavenly implements. I will not accept an offering from your hand or that you have influenced Speaking to Yisrael, indeed, from the sunrise in the east as far as and beyond its pathway towards the horizon in the west at sunset, my name will be distinguished. My name will be important. My name will be magnified. My name will be empowering Gadol, even among the Gentiles, in every home where a fire is kindled to draw near and come together in connection with my name. Now, he didn't say that his name is going to be empowering in the home of every Gentile. No, it's going to be empowering in every Gentile home that draws near in connection with his name. Right. Powerful distinction. But God is saying the very thing that the religion of Judaism has done which is to remove his name from his Torah they won't even speak it when they're reading the Torah and it isn't found in the Talmud 7,000 times they've removed it from the Torah and in the thousands upon thousands of pages of dribble, in the Talmud it's not mentioned once what in the hell is wrong with you God is saying that his name will be magnified. And in a sense, it's not being magnified by Jews. It's going to be celebrated in the homes of Gentiles who seek a connection with his name. Then the purifying gift of my exceedingly important name, he, Gadol Shem, Ani, will be within and among the Gentiles, says Yahweh. Who would have thought that the very God who named his people after himself, Ya'ud, beloved of Yah, would have to go to Goyim, the most despicable people on earth, Goyim, for his name to matter again. I'm a Goyim. And yet, I probably know. In fact, I'll take the word "probably." I know Yahweh better than anyone on Earth at this time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And no question, what have I done? (laughs) I was the first to come out publicly and announce, "It's Yahweh." It's easy to pronounce. Look at the Torah: T W R H. How do you get the ah sound at the end of Torah from the hay? How do you get the o oh sound in Torah from the wall? Uh-huh. Look at Hayah when Yahweh said to Moshe, "I am Hayah. I exist. H a y a h. Ha. Ya. It's not hard. What is the most commonly spoken word?" Amongst Jews, Shalom. Shalom. Where do you think you yeah. get the O sound in Shalom? Got a wah. Yahweh's name is exceedingly easy to pronounce. If you just take 15 minutes and look at the words Yahweh wrote throughout his, his Torah prophets and Psalms, including his Torah teaching, where he explains how to pronounce the wah. And the hey, the why has never been a question. Yisrael, Yaudem, Yauda, never been a question. Pronounced the same way in Hebrew uh, as it is now in, e- in English. So why is it that a goy would learn to read? Hebrew, and would translate the oldest extant texts of the Torah prophets and Psalms so he could reintroduce, introduce Yehudim to Yahweh? Well, the answer is really simple. It's not because that Goyim had anything meaningful to offer. It's because there were no Yehudim willing to do it. Not a single Yehud was listening to Yahweh. That's what he says. Why is he talking about his name and connection with Goy? Because you left God with no other option. That's sobering. After all he has done for you, to put God through that such that he had to communicate through a goyim, and you say, oh, well, you know, he didn't have to communicate. You surely could have found one of them. No, he couldn't. Every one of the prophets says the same thing. I looked, I looked, I looked. I found no one. Not a single Jew who was willing to listen to me. That's over 2,500 years since Malachi was the last. Not one who was willing to listen to me. Well, until finally as we approach the last days, A Goy is reintroducing Yehudim to Yahweh. That's embarrassing, though. It's embarrassing to Yahweh that he would have to do that. He would have to tell you about it here in Malachi and, and throughout his prophets that it was going to occur. Now, we began to understand this when we read Solomon's Official Sermon on the Mount, when he's dedicating Yahweh's home, and he says, Anakri, uh, a foreigner who is observant and responsive, he's the one who is going to make my name known again. He's the one who is going to write these books. He's the one whom you need to listen to. All the way back. In fact, it goes back further than that. Moshe spoke of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's right here in Malachi. In fact, God will even get far more specific. But that's why you're listening to the voice of a goy. Trying to awaken Yisrael before it is too late. You have very little time left. And the time of trouble is fast approaching. The world is turning dark very rapidly, and that pace is going to accelerate. Please listen. I will not accept an offering from your hand, or that which you have influenced. Indeed, from the... Sunrise in the east and far beyond the pathway toward the horizon in the west at sunset. My name will be distinguished. It will be important. It will be magnifying. It will be empowering among the Gentiles and in every home where a fire is kindled to draw near and come together in connection with my name. Then the purifying gift of my exceedingly important name, will be within and among the Gentiles, says Yahweh of the heavenly implements. This is the last of the prophets. He is writing to Israel. He's saying, because you have forlorn, you have stolen, you have besmirched my name, that I'm going to make it empowering again, but this time through the Goyim. And yet you defile and you still profane it. You treat it with contempt. With your declarations you say, I am the Redeemer, the one who delivers, the new Lord and Master, having acquired the rights to that which has been set forth and appointed by the Lord. Satan is the Lord. Yahweh is not a Lord. Lords want to be feared. Lords want to control, Lord's possess. Yahweh is our heavenly father. He wants to be respected, loved. You cannot love what you fear. And yet, what do the rabbis say of themselves? Is it not consistent with what I just read? He says, but this produces and yields that which is ruinous and destructive when consumed. It's despised and vile. treating Yahweh's name with disrespect. The rabbis claiming that they are somehow responsible for the redemption of Israel from God's perspective is vile. I want to turn now to a summation of chapter 2. For those who are interested and uh, want to read and have a amplified translation of this. You'll find this in Chapter 5 of of uh, Volume 6 of the Yada Yawa series. If you go on the bookshelf at yadaya.com, uh the first three books are called An Introduction to God. The uh, next group on the bookshelf, I think through Volume 8 currently, I'm rewriting Volume 9, uh, is uh, called the Yada Yawa series, and you will find in Volume 6, Chapter 5, this presentation of the fulfillment of Kaporam And you will find comprehensive, uh, um, amplified translations and copious explanations, insights, and uh, commentary that uh, are just well beyond the what we can do in a 90-minute program. So... We've elected to go directly to the summations of the testimony that Yahweh has provided and to share his thoughts with you extemporaneously inspired by his words. So then, Malachi 2.1, this stipulation is directed towards you, the ones performing religious rituals who claim to be teachers. If you do not listen... And if you do not place it on your heart, considering it logically, to give some significance, some respect and dignity to my name, says Yahweh of the spiritual representative, the Saba, then I will dispatch among you a thoughtful curse which keeps you bound to your embittering existence." So I will condemn condemn your pronouncements and your blessings. Moreover, I will condemn them because you will not consider this matter responsibly. Malachi 2.2. How can Judaism even exist in light of this statement by Yahweh through Malachi? Seriously.
0: He says
1: this stipulation is directed towards the religious through the priests. If you do not listen, if you don't place it in your heart, considering it logically to give some significance to, some dignity, some respect to my name, then I'll dispatch among you a thoughtful curse. I'll bound you to your embittering existence. I will condemn your pronouncements because you will not consider this master responsibly. How does Judaism survive statements like this from God? Only by keeping the average. And that's the reason the Herodim preclude their constituents from being able to read anything other than a corrupted version of Germanic and Hebrew into a language that isn't spoken by anyone outside of their community. That's why they don't allow them to search the Internet. That's why they don't allow them into libraries. The only way that you can control people and cause them to be religious in Judaism is by keeping them ignorant. Because if they were to read the words of Yahweh, they would know that God despises Judaism. He despises Christianity and Islam too, as well as progressives. But that's a story for a different day. Notch, Kaporam. Behold, I myself will rebuke and abhor. I will reprimand and disapprove. I will insult and convict your offspring and that which you scatter and that which I spread because I am going to smear viscera and dung, the guts and fecal matter of your feasts upon your faces. You think you have pissed off God? You think the rabbis have somehow gotten God to the point where he says, you are so repulsive your religious feasts, your Passover, your ignorance of Matzah, your ignorance of Bakudim and Shabuah, your preference for Purim, your preference for a Hanukkah, your preference for Rosh Hashanah, your preference for turning Kapuram into a day to afflict yourself. You know how I see you? I see you shit-faced. That's how I see you. I see your faces covered in dung. I find you to be repulsive. He's speaking of Israel. He's addressing Israel's propensity to be religious. And this is what he says. You're covered in dung. You stink to high heaven. You're sick. You're repulsive. And yet, I still love you. And and yet, I'm going to give you the second chance, which is Kaporam. The only difference between Kaporam and Pesach and Matzah for Yehudim, beyond the fact that it's a second chance, is that Pesach and Matzah were horrible experiences for Yahweh. He suffered in our place. And Kapuram is poetry. Kapuram is a celebration of a family reunion of the return of wayward sons and daughters. It's the happiest day on Yahweh's eternal calendar. Is Kapuram. I don't know how many of you will be there. I think it will be thousands. I would hope for more, but I don't think that's likely. I think that way too many Jews are beyond the reach of God's words. Those who are overtly political, whether they be progressives and anti-Jewish, boy, I tell you what, are progressives, anti-Semitic, it's amazing. Or they be um, Netanyahu Likud conservatives, Netanyahu is one of the worst things that ever happened for Israel, not that Lapid is any better, in fact he may be worse, but when Netanyahu, for his own personal empowerment, bribed the Herodim to support him in the parliamentary process, affording them all manner of control of Israel and money in return for their votes for his coalition, he condemned Israel to continuing to be just as God is besmirching them here. But if you are a overtly political Israeli, if you are a Herodim, chances are you're not listening to this because you couldn't even process it, and God has no interest in you, and there's zero chance that his words are ever going to impress you. You will condemn the speaker, the messenger, long before you choose to listen to him. Evidence and reason will not matter when they're in conflict with your political and religious beliefs. So some 80% of Jews have eliminated themselves even from the possibility of this second chance of Kippur. But for those of you, the 20% who have not, please listen to Yahweh and return to him. Reject Judaism, reject Israeli and American and European politics, embrace the terms and conditions of the covenant. Behold, I myself will rebuke and abhor, reprimand and disapprove, even insult and convict your offspring, such that that which you scatter and sow to such an extent that I will spread the viscera and dung, the guts and fecal matter on your, of your feasts, upon your faces then it will be taken away and you with it Yah was going to return and when he does with Doed he's going to turn the earth back into the conditions experienced in the Garden of Eden that is why we have a 6,000 year period from the time that Adam and Chawa were expelled from the Gani Den to the time that on Sukkah in year 6,000 Yah this will be October 7th, uh, 2033, that we will return. And when we return to the conditions of Eden, you'll notice that in, in Eden, a Garden of Great Joy, there was no religion, there was no politics, there was no government. And those things will not exist in, on earth or in heaven upon Yahweh's return. So those who have been religious will be eliminated. Not only will the people be incinerated, the leaders of the religious, those who led people astray, will have their souls incarcerated in the black hole that is Sheol, and the victims will simply cease to exist. Their physical bodies will be eliminated. Their houses of worship pummeled, and swallowed by the earth. There will be no religion in the hereafter. Thereby you will know that indeed, and by contrast, I sent this instructive, this instructive condition to you. Yep. By the time that this all happens, even those who have been dunderheads to the end will be left without excuse because Yahweh will make it clear that he has sent this instructive condition to you. You know how he's going to do that? El Yah will return with oh, another a witness. witness. And mm-hmm. those two witnesses will speak boldly, unabashedly, in favor of Yahweh and Jerusalem. They're going to arrive on Pesach in 2030. And that is when Yahweh is going to make it absolutely clear that the world is headed in the wrong direction and that his covenant will prevail. Now, there's something tragic that happened among Jews about the time of Alexander the Great. Um, It's manifest in the stories of the Maccabees, which was the Civil War, where uh, those who would become rabbis at a later date uh, wanted to usurp the power that Yahweh had offered the lawy. They didn't want it to be an inherited right. And, you know, Yahweh was pretty clear. You're going to be a lawy. You're, you're not going to have any money. You're not going to have any possessions. And, of course, the rabbis, by 300% of the uh, most enriched religious clerics in the world. And so they wanted a different scheme. They wanted to have control. They wanted to have power. They wanted to have money. And so the rabbis, uh, the precursor to the rabbis, wanted to rob the loy of their God-given responsibility. And it was easy to do because the loy had forfeited their responsibility. Thereby you will know that indeed, by contrast, I sent this instructive condition to you, such that my covenant will continue through the loy by being one says Yahweh. My familial covenant relationship was established with him. The opportunity to live and to be reconciled I provided and bestowed to them through him. Who was the greatest of the Loe? Moshe.
0: Moshe. 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 And Moshe.
1: Yep, Moshe, the one who brought us the terms and conditions of the covenant the one who brought us the Torah. He showed great reverence and respect for me and for the presence of my name. He was wonderful, inspiring, and awesome. Now, I don't think I, I finished the thought. I might have gotten distracted a moment ago. But when I, you know, as I say that someone might say, well, why doesn't God just speak to us directly? And I, I answer so because none of you are willing to listen. <laughs> But there's something more to it than that. Yeah. God never speaks alone. It does not work alone. God tried speaking, and even when he tried speaking, he wasn't speaking alone. He said to Moshe, to demonstrate and to prove that I am God and that I am empowering you and inspiring you to speak to these people, gather them all together, and I will announce my relationship with you, and I will speak directly to them in your presence. And what did the Israelites say? Oh, no, no, no.
0: We don't want any more of
1: this. Don't you ever speak to us again. Well, sometimes you get what you ask for. So Yahweh continued to speak through Moshe. And Yahweh said, you know, that's just fine. I'm I'm better better with that anyway. Yahweh doesn't like to do anything alone. He chooses to communicate through the people he chooses. Yeah, a lot of choices in there. Yahweh chooses to work through people. He could have saved uh, um, a remnant of people during the flood, but no, he worked with Noah to build a, uh, a boat. That's because that's his style. He could have laid down the conditions of the covenant, but nope, he says, I'm going to do it through Abraham. He could have produced the Torah and, uh, and an indelible document that the world could see, and he said, no, 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 that's not how I do this. I'm going to find an 80-year-old broken-down shepherd who was run <laughs> out of town by his own people and who has been accused of murder, and with this 80-year-old shepherd, I'm going to go against the most powerful empire the world. Hmm. the world had known up to that time. He worked through people. He said, when the people had made this horrible decision to empower Shaul, he says, I'm going to show you what, uh, what I think is important, because my way of looking at things is so different than yours. He says that, him, what was the seventh son of Yishay, the kid that was out there in Bethlehem that had walked away from his father's house, that was out tending sheep, he anointed him, he, he imbued him with his spirit, and he became the most brilliant, the most articulate, the most courageous man who ever lived, most important man who ever lived, the man that God would call his son, the man that Yahweh would anoint the Messiah, the man that Yahweh says, he's returning with me, and he is going to return as brilliant as the sun and be as God. Yahweh works through people. That is his choice. That's why he created the universe. He wanted to have a relationship. Eden wasn't abandoned. Adam was there. So Yahweh chooses to work through people. And that's why when there were no Jews available, to listen to him, to restore the value of his name, to discuss the conditions of the covenant, to call God's people home for their second chance of Kippuram he chose to work with the only alternative a goyim who was willing to listen to him I wasn't much of a prize I'll tell you but I'll tell you I do prize this job for those that don't know I do this six and seven days a week I do it I've done it now for 21 years I pay for the opportunity to share this message with you freely. I receive nothing in terms of financial contribution from anybody at any time. The labor of love. It's for you. Consider it Yahweh's gift, his overture for a second chance. Gopurim. My familial covenant relationship was established with him. The opportunity to live and to be reconciled, I provided and bestowed to them through him. The opportunity to be reconciled was communicated through Moshe. But it is lived through Dod. You know, when Yahweh had to explain to... Uh, Aaron, which means the alternative, Uh, what he needed to do to reconcile his own relationship with Yahweh and then reconcile the people on the Kaporath, the mercy seat, which is what Kaporim is based upon. All of that discussion was to show you what Dod would do. and Zachariah makes it perfectly clear that it is Dod who is returning and he is going to perform the role of the high priest and to anoint the mercy seat, Kaporath of the covenant upon Yahweh's return on Kaporam. He showed great reverence and respect for me. This is true of both Moshe and of Dot and to the Goy, speaking to you this evening and for the presence of my name. Now this is true of Yah's two great Soroa, Dod and Moshe. He was wonderful, inspiring, and awesome. The trustworthy and reliable Torah was in his mouth. Furthermore, nothing perverse or unjust was found on his lips. He walked with me. Reconciled and blessed, satisfied and content, and on an elevated plane above the fray, and therefore a great many he turned away from being perverted and corrupted. This is true of all three of Yahweh Zeruah four if you count Eosha. Mm -hmm. This is because the lips of a Kohen priest should closely examine and carefully consider information leading to understanding. That was their purpose. And they should search and inquire about the Torah from his mouth, because indeed, and by contrast, he is a messenger of Yahweh, of the spiritual implements. As for yourselves, you have turned away from the way. You have caused many to stumble as rabbis by way of your Torah instructions and your teachings. It's gotten so bad that the rabbis call their Talmud, their Babylonian Talmud, they refer to as Torah. Talk about stealing the things of God. You corrupt and invalidate, you pervert and you mutilate the familial covenant relationship of the Loewe, says Yahweh. Furthermore, I myself will give you all over to being despised and discredited, perceived as worthless, as an object of scorn, even hated, and being abased, humbled, and humiliated, belittled as cultural outcasts for the sake of the entire family, and so much as that which is related to your mouth, is unobservant and ignorant of my ways, And that is the gist of the Talmud, of Judaism, Mm -hmm. of doing everything but paying attention to what Yahweh said. And yet still, you respect and honor lifting up the presence of your Torah. Hmm. God is disgusted by the Talmud it's there not one father for all of us did or is there not one father for all of us did not one god create us so why are we unfaithful and unreliable even unscrupulous and untrustworthy violating and defiling breaking and degrading the covenant relationship of our fathers Oh, if you ask a religious Jew, what's the covenant? It's the covenant with Judaism. No, God hates Judaism. The covenant is Yahweh's. It is a family relationship. He is the father, the Ruach, Kodesh is the mother, we are the children. Shamaim is our home. Yahudah has been unscrupulous and untrustworthy and he has allowed himself to be controlled by others, becoming unreliable. He has engaged and acted in abhorrent and loathsome ways in Israel and in Jerusalem. Indeed, Yahudah is in violation of the agreement and has desecrated and defiled that which is set apart the Yahweh. To be Kodesh set apart is to be uncommon. To be religious is to be common. This is because he has directed his affection towards and is now ruled by the Lord Baal within the house of a foreign god observing a deity in a different language. (laughs) Yiddish. The Lord Mm -hmm. is Baal. Baal is Satan. Yahweh will choose to cut off and banish the individual who engages in this, either as a witness providing testimony or one who responds from camping out or dwelling with Jacob when the offering is presented to approach and be present with Yahweh. He's telling you that if your God is the Lord, you are not welcome. This second chance that is being offered Kaporam is not available to you. You will not sukkah with Yahweh or with Yaakov. This is yet another thing you do. You cover Yahweh's altar with tears and expressions of sorrow, bitterly shrieking and groaning because of your adversarial nature, narrow-mindedness, and troublesome experiences such that there is no longer any attention paid to or regard for the presence of the gift which has been offered any desire to receive or accept it with your hand the gift is Goporim it is the second chance it is the final chance it is Yahweh's way of telling the Yehudim, the Israelites who rejected Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim, Shabua, and Teruah, that I still love you. If you will walk away from religion and embrace the covenant, I will embrace you. I will reconcile my relationship with you. Upon the grounds that Yahweh has repeatedly testified, by providing a thoughtful connection for you, such that you might understand the feminine manifestation of God's fiery light, which empowered, enlightened, and elevated you as a child with whom you have been unfaithful, betraying her. Who have you betrayed instead of our spirit? The Ruach Kodesh, the feminine manifestation of God's fiery light the Isha, and yet she is your companion, providing fellowship and your covenant partner, the loving woman of your family. Did he not engage as one and as a soul in a corporeal fashion through the approach of his spirit? Uh, that's a question way too tough for the religious but it's true, Yahweh projected his nephesh soul into the corporeal eosha so that he could experience being the Passover lamb, so that his soul could go to Sheol on Matzah to unleaven our souls of the fungus of religion. All orchestrated by Yahweh's nephesh and the approach of his Ruach and why was the one inquiring about and seeking godly offspring sowing the seeds to produce God's children that is the result of Pesach and Matzah is Vakorum therefore you should be observant in conjunction with your spirit that's the answer if we figured it out By reading the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, so can you. And we'll give you a head start. Twenty-five books translate Yahweh's testimony in an amplified fashion and provide commentary and insight so that you might appreciate God's invitation to return home. And then concerning the feminine manifestation of God's fiery light, who empowers, enlightens, and elevates of your childhood none of you should leave leave or betray or disregard her garments. What are her garments? The garment of light. Mm-hmm. The result of matzah is to envelop God's children in this garment of light that makes us appear perfect in God's eyes because where there is light, there is no darkness. For indeed, and by contrast, if you are hostile to and hate, opting to shun. And dismiss me, sending me away, says Yahweh, the God of Israel. My garment will be concealed and shrouded such that it is seen as destructive and wrong, says Yahweh. What do the religious Jews choose to wear? The opposite of a garment of light. They wear black mourning clothes as if going to their own funeral. Therefore, be observant, closely examining and carefully considering in conjunction with your spirit, and do not be unfaithful. However, you have wearied God with your words, and you say, in what way have we exhausted him? And you telling everyone that doing what is incorrect is somehow good in the eyes of Yahweh. And that he is willing to accept even finds pleasure in these things. Boy, isn't that the cry of religion? Mm -hmm. If so, where is the God who justly resolves disputes, who encourages sound decision and good judgment? Is he not lost in all of this religiosity? That is the second chapter of Malachi. We have very little time left in the broadcast this evening, but in the archive uh, of this program, the recorded part of this program, you can listen at any time of your your leisure. For those that listen to the archive, which is about 99% of the overall audience, uh, we will continue on even though uh, we are no longer broadcasting. All of this will be recorded. And so we're going to share with you now the third chapter of Malachi as we celebrate This day of second chances, of Yahweh expressing his love for his people, the day to reconcile the relationship between the estranged sons and daughters. Therefore, please pay attention. Please pay attention. I myself will send out my messenger. Not a prophet, my messenger. And he will open the way to me preparing my people by changing their perspective, encouraging them to pay attention to my presence and to my appearance. You're listening to that messenger. Then suddenly, straight away and surprisingly, many, they will come to his royal residence. the The royal residence is the home of Dode, the upright one, along with the herald of the covenant relationship, whom you have sought to show, who has sought to show you the way, and you have favorably experienced, and you strongly prefer. Behold, he himself is coming, says Yahweh, of the spiritual implements. Yahweh is returning. But who can comprehend and endure, much less resist them, on their arrival, who can remain present and standing in his sight? If you're not enveloped with that garment of light, you'll be incinerated. God isn't coming to fix the Jewish religion. He's coming to eliminate it, along with Christianity and Islam and progressives and socialist secular humanists, all of them. He is a refiner's fire, similar to a launderer's detergent designed specifically for the covenant. He will restore and reestablish as one tests and purges and one who cleanses and purifies that which is valuable while renewing the children of the lowly. God is offering a day of reconciliations, Yom Kippurim, to reestablish and restore his relationship with his people. He will filter out the impurities. He will refine them such that they are similar to shimmering gold and like those who are desirable because they yearn to be redeemed. They will be able to approach. They will draw near Yahweh, coming together as a gift, correct and innocent, having become right. This is Kaporam. This is that second chance. This is Yahweh doing everything he can to enable you to benefit from Pesach, Matzah, Bukurim, and Shabuah that you have ignored. They will be able to approach. They will come together. They will draw near. This is a gift. They will be correct and innocent, having become right. And then the gift of Yahweh will be pleasing and acceptable to Yahweh. And Jerusalem shall again be like the days of old, like the former years. When I approach you all, it will be for judgment. If you're not among those who is part of his covenant, you're going to be judged. The judgment will be swift and diligent, 45 days as a matter of fact. Witnesses providing testimony against those who engage in the corrupting influence of religion, against those who are unfaithful, committing adultery by breaking the covenant, against those who mislead through mistaken beliefs, making false promises by perverting the truth, and against those who are controlling defrauding workers by extorting their wages as if they were entitled to receive remuneration of those who are employed, even mistreating disadvantaged widows and orphans, all while thrusting foreigners aside who do not accept their customs. Because they do not respect me, declares Yahweh, God Almighty. Well, there's a succinct picture. Mm-hmm. Of Judaism. This is because I Yahweh have not changed. You, Beni Jacob, the children of Israel, walking in my footsteps, who I receive and I reward, they will not perish or be destroyed. However, it is from the days of your fathers that you have turned away. You have rejected my clearly communicated and inscribed prescriptions which cut you into the relationship. You have paid no attention to them. Of your own free will, choose to return to me. And I will want to return to you. And I will want to restore you, says Yahweh. But you say, in what way should we change, return, and be reconciled? How is it? that man betrays and robs God circumventing him in actuality you are all exploiting and robbing that which is associated with me but you ask in what way have we exploited and circumvented you how have we betrayed you or even altered something about you by questioning the means enriched and to be chosen and lifted up to share. What is the means to being enriched? Those who avail themselves of Pesach and Matzah become Yahweh's adopted children on firstborn children, bakurim, so that on Shabuah with the promise of seven, we can be empowered and enriched, enlightened, emancipated, lifted up to Yahweh your perspective is based upon appearances, but you actually extort and betray me, in addition to all of the Gentiles. Because Jews removed Yahweh's name from his testimony, there is an Allah, and a religion devoted to an Allah that would never have existed otherwise. Because Jews removed Yahweh's name from his testimony, there is a Jesus in Christians who have become immensely anti-Semitic, a beast that is responsible for great antagonism towards Jews. Because rabbis removed Yahweh's name from his testimony, the Talmud exists and has become the great enemy of the Jewish people. Your pre- perspective is based upon appearances but you actually extort and betray me in addition to the Gentiles return with every aspect of the means to being exceptionally enriched within this home treasuring that which will be freshly harvested and my family so please choose to test me and learn if I am genuine and can be trusted in this, says Yahweh. God, the creator God of the universe, is saying, test me, try me. You've done everything against me for the last. But, well, since the Exodus, 3,450 years ago, you've chosen to be religious for all that time, and God says, Test me. Try me. What do you got to lose? See if I per- perform for you. Give me a chance. See if I will not respond and open for you all the windows and the floodgates of heaven and pour forth on your behalf the blessings of reconciliation. Reconciliation until it is more than sufficiently supplied. Give Yahweh a chance, and you will be among the beneficiaries of Kippurim. But I will rebuke and convict on your behalf against Mm -hmm. the one who devours and destroys. He will not trouble or batter you or the harvest of the earth. There is a time, according to the prophet Yahshua, according to Daniel, When there will be a torah one, there will be a beast. And he will do everything against God's people, including calling himself God. But God will rebuke him. He will convict him on your behalf. Then the vine of the field, it will no longer be unproductive for you says Yahweh. And all of the Gentiles, they will deem you properly guided and fortunate, seeing you as advancing on the right path, appropriately led by way by the way to get the most out of life, blessed as a result of renewed interest in learning, along with the changed attitude. Because indeed You are a desirable and delightful realm, says Yahweh. This is this transition between the grand celebration of reconciliation and Sukkah, where we camp out together in an earth restored to the conditions we found in Eden. It will be a desirable and delightful realm with a renewed interest in learning. Your words, your oral declarations, and written pronouncements, well, up to this point, they've been harsh and severe, even obstinate. Arrogant in your attempt to establish yourselves over and against me, says Yahweh. Wow. God's saying that the words of the religious rabbis, Christians, of Muslims to be sure, but particularly rabbis, have been harsh and severe, obstinate and arrogant, and their attempt to establish themselves over and against Yahweh. Yet you ask, how have we written and spoken words over and against you? The answer is, you have said, is it futile to serve God because there is no reason to suffer for nothing? By comparison, how are we to profit? How are we going to scam the system and plunder the people, gaining an advantage over them for our benefit and satiate our greed (laughs) by observing his requirements and responsibilities instead of us walking around in mourning clothes and black suits into the darkness, away from the presence of Yahweh. Yes, they have made all of this up for their benefit. They have not only walked away from Yahweh, they have taken their brethren with them. And now we pronounce our blessings upon and encourage the presumptuous, the insolent and arrogant, even the self-willed and the contemptible. Moreover, those who engage in and act upon that which is wicked and wrong, they prosper and grow, erecting new edifices, and yet even through, though they test and try God, they are allowed to slip away. But then, at that time, those who revere and respect Yahweh will communicate as individuals with one another and with their friends and associates, paying attention to that which they can properly respond to Yahweh. There will be a community of those who listen to the voice of Yahweh, who value His Torah over the Talmud his covenant above all else. Those who respect and revere Yahweh and who are thoughtful in their consideration of his highly regarded name, they will listen to what was written on the scroll, memorializing the inheritance in advance of his appearance. Yahweh says that he is actually going to lift up a scroll going to be above the two witnesses calling his people home. Hopefully, you will be among those who read it. Hopefully, long before that time, you still have 11 years here in the late summer, early fall of 2022. You have 11 years until his Kippurum return. Hopefully, you'll look what was written on the scrolls of the Torah. Hopefully you'll read Yada Yahweh and see what God is offering. The only way to approach him is to be observant, to listen, and be thoughtful. So they will be mine, God says, those who highly regard his name, who listen to what was written on the scroll, they will be mine, says Yahweh, upon the approach of that day when to enjoy the benefits of the relationship, I will engage to treasure and enrich my chosen. This is Kaporam, the grand celebration of the benefits of the relationship. It is a homecoming. It is the day that Yahweh will treasure and he will enrich his chosen. They will be his, part of his family. And I will be merciful delivering them from harm's way in a manner consistent with the joy an individual shows by saving his son who serves with him. Yes, we will all come full circle. It will be our Father, and we will be his children. He will be merciful. He will deliver and protect us consistent with the joy The Gan-Idan, as an individual shows when saving his son, as Yahweh returns with his son, who will serve with him. Our King of Kings, toad. return and you will see the distinction between those who are right, Sadak, and those who are wrong, La-Rasha. And you will come to appreciate the difference between one who works with God in conjunction with their relationship versus someone who does not serve with him. Malachi 3.18 All of this has been to draw your attention to two things. One is that Judaism is wrong. It is irritating to Yahweh. It is precluding Yehudim from re-engaging in a relationship with Yahweh. And second, Yahweh's offering his people a second chance. An opportunity at reconciliation. Yom Kippuram. Capitalize. Stop Whirling chickens. Start pretend, stop pretending like it's a fast. Stop viewing this day as a day of affliction, of denial, and celebrate it as the greatest and most joyous occasion in the world where the family becomes whole again. God's people return. Father, and sons holding hands again. Father and daughters embracing one another. This is what God is offering. This is what Kippuram is about. The purpose of the Torah, the purpose of the prophets. And keep in mind that we are reading Malachi, the last of them. So I hope these words resonate. I hope that that there are many in the, uh, the place between religious and, and political Israel, uh, even with the Jews in America, between those who are progressive and those who are Herodim, that there will be those of you who will choose to reject religion and politics and they will come to trust Yahweh, test him, give him a chance, come to embrace his empowering name. Capitalize on your second chance. Celebrate Kippuram as God intended. May Yahweh bless. I look forward to being with you next Shabbat. Good night. Good night. Good night.
0: night.